0: So there are three kinds of people in this world. And I like to compare this to the story of Goldilocks with the bears and the porridge, right? The first group of people are the kind of people that re- listen to Christmas music year round. Now, I am so not okay with that. I feel like that is cheating like on my wife bad. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm cheating on the time of year. I feel like I'm not giving Christmas its real due when I listen to it in the middle of the summer. It just feels Really wrong to me. And you know, we actually know someone that does that year round. That's my buddy Doug. He listens to Christmas music year round. It's the middle of January. You can hear him and his kids bump into that Christmas music all year round. And that that makes me crazy. And to me, that's kind of like the bowl of porridge that was just too warm. And I'm not about that. The next group is actually my sister-in-law, Jamie, falls in this group. She is the kind of person that only likes to listen to Christmas music like the week before. That's it. That's all you can do. Me and Jess were talking about Christmas music, and she's like, this is just too early. And it's like a couple of weeks after Thanksgiving now. Like, come on. They say, that, that's wrong. And that kind. you know what that, those kind of people, you know what they kind of remind me of? The people that open up gifts on Christmas Eve. That is just so evil and so wrong. That just that ruins all of Christmas for me. I don't know how people do that. That is so messed up. And that bowl is kind of like the bowl of porridge that was just way too cold. And then there's just that bowl of porridge that is just right. And this is what I live by and what I do. And this is just works for me. I love to listen to Christmas music the day after Thanksgiving, Like, that is perfect for me. If you start it right there, that's it. How many of you guys, you would say that's you tonight? Let me see some hands now. Oh, most of you guys, all right. So we're all there. You like to listen to it right after Thanksgiving. I mean, me and Jess, we, our tradition now is our one-year tradition. We put the tree every year up after Thanksgiving. That's gonna be our deal, and that's when the Christmas music starts. But there's nothing like Christmas music to get you into the Christmas spirit. And tonight, I asked the band to do that song for us for a reason, um, I think it's really gonna help us understand where we're going tonight. But I don't know about you guys in the room tonight, but man, I really don't like silence. Silence really gets to me. Have you guys ever had a conversation with someone? Maybe it's like an awkward family member. You go to someone's party and there's just that awkward family member, and you're trying to talk to them, and you have no idea what to say. I mean, the conversation, like, awkwardly gets started, and then you're talking to that person, and you have no idea what to say, and it kind of just gets silent, and you're just, like, looking at each other, and you, like, have no idea what to say, and you just blurt something out, like, I, I like peanut butter. You know what I mean? Like you're, just, you're trying to fill that space because you hate the silence so much, and that's me. I hate when I'm talking to someone and it just goes silent, and I'm like searching in my brain for something to say because I hate that silence so much, and I'm sure a lot of you guys can relate to those awkward conversations that I have a lot. Another thing I hate a lot is the silent treatment, and guys in the room, you will definitely experience this at some point in your life. You will either make your mother mad or you will make your girlfriend mad and they will put you through the silent treatment. And you know, at first it's like a real, it sounds like, man, that's not a punishment at all. That's great, you're gonna stop talking. Like, this is amazing. Like, how is this a punishment? The guys in the room laughed at that. I just got so many evil looks from the girls in the room. <laughs> it sounds like this is an awful thing, but you know what? The silence gets to me like this this thought of disapproval and just the awkwardness that no one 's saying anything drives me crazy until I have to beg and say i 'm sorry oh I, I just hate that silence so much And, uh, you know, I was my buddy was actually just telling me a uh, story about him and his wife. They kind of got into a fight, and they both decided that they were going to give each other the silent treatment. That was it. They were kind of just done talking to each other for a little bit. And my buddy had to get on a plane really early the next morning. So he had to wake up. At like five o'clock in the morning. And he really, you know, he set some alarms, but he's the kind of person that sleeps through alarms, even if you set them. And so he kind of told, without doing this, he came up with this clever plot because he didn't want to break the silent treatment that was going on. He had to win the fight. Guys, you know what that's like. You can't be the first person to talk. And so he came up with this clever idea because his wife went to bed way before he did. He got a post it note and said, Please wake me up at 5 a.m. and stuck it to her forehead while she was sleeping. Genius idea, if you ask me, right? And so my buddy goes to sleep and he's like, oh, I definitely want this. And so he wakes up and he realizes it's seven o'clock in the morning and his wife didn't tell him to wake up and he starts freaking out. Like he just rolls over his head and he looks at the clock and he sees it's seven. He's freaking it out, freaking out. And then he gets up and he realizes a post-it note had just fallen from his chest. And the post-it note said, in all caps and exclamation points, wake up. Right? And I just thought that was so good. What a great comeback by his wife. But you know, the silent treatment can be really awkward because I think a lot of us hate silence. And you know, a big part of the Christmas story is silence. And maybe some of you guys don't know that, but it's almost like God played the silent treatment for much of the people that lived before Jesus was born. I'm going to take out my Bible here real quick for you guys. Um, the last book of the Bible that was ever written was the book of Malachi. And for 400 years, God didn't say anything to the people. There were no more prophets. There were no more books in the Bible. That was it. God disappeared and he went completely silent. And see, for us, it's not that big of a deal because we have two pages here. We got this nice page that says the New Testament and then we have some maps here, right? And for us, we just turn it and we enter the New Testament really quickly. But for those people, that was a really, really hard time to go through. Because this God that they were following, following suddenly goes completely silent. Nothing happens. No word from God, just complete silence. And you think how much we hate silence now. Imagine how hard it was for these people, guys. And so the question is, where did God go? What happened over these 400 years when he seemingly disappears from mankind? Did he get mad at humanity? Was he tired of their sin again like he was with Noah? Was he taking a time out and said, hey guys, I'm done with you for a while. I'm gonna walk away from all of this. And he kind of took a time out. And when he decided he was feeling better, he came back and, and started the New Testament. We're gonna look in tonight. Guys, this is so important for us. Because just like these people went through that time of silence for 400 years, God is so often silent in our lives. So many of us in this room tonight know what it's like. For God, it's can be completely silent. I'm sure some of you guys are in the middle of that season right now tonight. You've been praying for something, and it just seems like your prayers are bouncing off the walls. It seems like God isn't listening at all. He's gone silent. He's gone missing. Maybe there's something in your life that's going on that's so big and so heavy, it's, it's just driving you nuts tonight, and you need an answer, and you've done the game that so many of us play. We say, God, if you're real, can you just speak to me right now? Can you just give me a sign right now? And while you are out there waiting, nothing. Not one sign, and you waited for hours maybe. Maybe you've been praying for a really long time, but God is seemingly silent. In those times, I'm sure that's something we all can relate to in our lives. And that's a really hard thing to go through, guys. And see, when God's silent, we draw two conclusions. We all come to this all the time, that God doesn't care about us. It feels like he's answering everyone else's prayers but mine. If God would just listen to me for a little bit, then he he would prove to me that he really cares about me. I think a lot of us feel like that tonight. That maybe God just doesn't care about us too much. That he cares about everyone else so much more than us tonight. And we're just here by ourselves. And he's not really that much of a loving God. And the second conclusion a lot of us draw to, or a lot of people come to ultimately, is that there is no God. Because if God really loved me, and he was really a loving God, he wouldn't let me go through this time of silence. He would say something. He would give me a sign. He would speak to me. Guys, I think over those 400 years, that there were a lot of people who walked away from the faith because they were looking for something and they were waiting. You know, it was so much harder for these people too is because they were promised something. They were waiting for the Messiah, a lot of them. And there was just no answer. So I'm sure some of you guys feel like that tonight. If God doesn't answer me soon, then he must not be real. And I'm just giving up and I'm walking out on this. And uh, guys, this is so... Important because during these times we try to take things into our own hands, don't we? When there's seemingly silence, and so many of us drift away, guys. And pe- the Bible is full of stories of when God was silent and people chose to walk away because of the silence. Because, but if we would trust God, on now on the flip side of this, there's some people that walk away, but on the flip side of this, if you're willing to trust God and walk through the silence tonight these are the moments that God grows us up. These are the moments when he makes our faith so real to us, guys. It's in the moments when God feels most silent and distant that he's most there with us. And so many of us need to hear that tonight. And so this is just so important for us because all of us are gonna walk through these times of silence in our lives, guys. And it's so important. And and, and that's what really the Christmas story is has to say to so many of us tonight. I I love the Christmas story so much because it's not this fairy tale story. It's not like you read in the books. This is a real life story. Last year we talked about the uncertainty of Christmas, about all the hard things that happened throughout the journey, that it wasn't this fairy tale ending. And this year, guys, we're gonna learn that there was a lot of silence and there were a lot of hard times leading up. To the Christmas time for so many people, up to the first Christmas, and it's so important that we see that because it's hope for you and God for you and I tonight. And so, what I want to do is actually start in the book of Malachi tonight. And before we even get to the verses on the screen, I want to tell you one of the overall stories of the book of Malachi. He starts off right in verse one, and I think God really wanted this to be clear to the people. He wanted them to know that I love you, and He says, "Look." I'm gonna go silent for a little bit, but I want you to know that I have loved you. And see, the way he says I love you, it wasn't just for the people right then in that moment. He meant I have loved you, I will love you, and I will continue to love you. And see, that is so important for us to know tonight. Some of you guys that are, that are feeling the silence tonight, some of you guys that are going through that tonight, God would say to you that I have loved you when I created you. I love you right where you are tonight, waiting in the silence, and I will love you in the future. I'm never going to abandon or forsaken you. And then this is what happens. We jump to these verses, and these are the last verses ever written in the book of Malachi, right before God goes completely silent. And this is what it says. See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before that great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land with total destruction. Bam, book closes, silence for 400 years. You think that maybe God would give us something to hold on to. I mean, he told us he loves us and he cares about us so much in the beginning of the chapter, but you think maybe his last words would be hope for us, something to cling on. And some of you guys are reaching out tonight for something to cling on to, something to hold on to while you're going through this time of silence. And it kind of feels like that for you. God kind of ends on this depressing note of destruction if they don't obey this one commandment. How hard it must have been for those people over those 400 years. I, I, I can't even imagine the things that they went through over that time. And so let's go back to that question. Where did God go for all this time? Why does he seemingly go completely silent? And I wish I had an answer for you guys, but like I said before, the problem is that there's nothing in between Malachi and Luke. We, we have nothing to point to tonight. I can't say, all right, this is exactly what God was doing because he wrote it down. no. He was silent, but I think, guys, that we can look through history and we can just think about what was happening to draw that conclusion tonight. Have you guys ever been to, to a play before? i 'm um, not a really big fan of plays; they 're kind of boring, but I, uh, me and Jess had broken up for a period in our lives, and, and this was a hard time in my life, and so you know God was separating us for a little bit, and he was working on both of us and uh, I was, became, began time that we were getting back together and uh, I was really trying to woo her again and win her back over. And so I got tickets to go see The Lion King on Broadway, right? Guys, this is the worst decision of my life. I wish I like, would have done something else. Lion, oh my gosh. But that's not, that's not the point. Let's get to the heart of it. <laughs> we're at The Lion King, right? And uh, it's, it's just, just singing and dancing and my two least favorite things in the whole world. And they're just going at it. And Jess is just in awe. She's loving every second. I'm pretending like I'm loving it. And uh, it's going on and on. And then, you know, act one ends, right? And when act one is over, everyone, they make everyone go out. And it's kind of like intermission right now. And you go out and you buy your candy and you buy your popcorn, you buy your soda, you get some cotton candy, some stuff like that. I'm sure you guys have been to plays like that. And then you come back in. And when you come back in, the stage looks completely different than how it did in act one. And guys, here's what I believe is that God was taking a little bit of intermission for the story that he was unfolding. I think he was changing some of the scenery of what was going on in the world at the time because the world wasn't ready yet for the Messiah to be born. And, and, and you know, guys, a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me have come up with this theory. Historians and theologians have come to draw out two really huge points of what was going on over this time, the first point that the uh, theologians believe and historians, like I'm gonna say some things tonight that you guys are gonna know from history class and you're going to remember. Um, the first thing that was happening over these 400 years is there was a common language being birthed right now in, in, in this world. So the Persians were in here, right? You know, if you guys have ever seen the movie 300, you got that guy Xerxes. He's taken over the whole world, just dominating it, taking all, all over ancient Greece completely over Different languages spread out, just chaos, complete chaos. And then this guy named Alexander the Great was born. Some of you guys, I'm sure, know his name, Alexander the Great. He was believed to be one of the greatest um, war strategic people ever. I said that wrong, but that's okay. One of the greatest strategic person to ever live on the earth, right? And he takes over all of the modern world. And Alex the Great comes to this decision that he wants all of his Um, kingdoms that he was ruling to speak under one common language. One common language. And so this is what's happening over the world in this time. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I think that's a big part of what needed to happen in the world before Jesus was born. There needed to be one common language. So when they were talking about this, all kinds of people would understand it, and it would make sense to them. So that is so important that this common language that was going on was being birthed at this time. The second thing was a thing called Pax Romana. I'm sure some of you guys have heard this in history. When I was reading this article, man, I was like, man, I remember that. But What was happening is all of peace now, because now Alexander the Great has died, and now the Rome is coming back into power again, and that they want this world kind of peace thing going on, that they want free travel to happen over this time. Guys, this was such an important thing that people, while they were walking on the streets, couldn't just get jumped anymore, that there was peace, there weren't any more big wars happening in this area. It was a time of great peace in the land, right? Guys, this was another big thing that needed to happen over these 400 years. When God is seemingly silent, seemingly he's abandoned us, seemingly he's let go and he doesn't care anymore, all these things are falling into place. The stage is being set prop by prop that needed to be there for the story to truly unfold. And tonight, I'm just giving you guys two of the things that people believe were huge in order for this to unfold, for the Messiah to be born. These are just two of them tonight, guys. There are a ton more things that needed to happen, and that did happen over these 400 years when God is seemingly silent. Huge things that needed To happen, And now here's what we're gonna gonna do. We're gonna jump to the book of Matthew right now. And we're gonna turn those two pages and see what has happened 400 years after all of this has happened in the world. And so you guys can just look on the screens with me here. In Matthew chapter one, verse 18, this is what it says. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the, the law and yet did not want to expose her to the public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. And so, so here's Joseph. And, and here's what we, don't, we miss a lot of the times is that I think Joseph was walking through a really hard time right here. Just because I can tell by the way that the author, Matthew, is, is writing this. Here, here's Joseph. He's going, look up. I got to divorce this girl. She's crazy. She thinks that the God came to her through the angel Gabriel and told her that she's going to have a baby. Like, obviously, she's cheated on me. Obviously, this can't be real. And so he's, gonna, he's a good guy, the Bible says. So he's just going to divorce her quietly. He's kind of just going to let her go, right? See, here's what I think is that Joseph had some silent nights, just like you and I had. I'm sure he was crying out a couple of nights before. We're going to read what we do. I'm sure he was crying out, God, if this really happened, can you give me a sign? Can you speak to me in this moment? Can I know that what Mary is saying is true? And I think Joseph was met with silence. And that's why he's come to the conclusion that he's going to divorce her and get rid of her. But let's see what happens for Joseph. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And in a dream, it said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. God is with us. God is with us with us. And so this verse is so important to everything that we've been saying so far. And so Joseph gets his answer and he realizes that God is really behind it after the silence. And then one of the names of Jesus that we hear tonight is so important for us while we're walking through the silence in our life. God is with us in the good times. He's with us in the bad times. And guess he is with us in the, the silence. When we feel like he's not there, when we feel like he's abandoned us and let go, that's when God is most with us sometimes. And that's so important that after this 400 years, one of the first things the angel says to Joseph is God's silence is breaking over the whole world. He says, and I'm going to give you Jesus. And they'll call him Emmanuel. And his name literally means God is with you and among you now and he will always be with you and he will always walk among you. So important that we see that tonight, guys. That one of God's names is that God is with us. So cool that he breaks the silence in that way. I think what God was doing is that he was showing a broken world that you know what? I haven't left you over these 400 years. I was getting things ready. I was prepping the world for the birth and the sign. I've been with you all along and now I'm giving you something. And what I'm giving you is hope to know that I'll never leave you, that I'm always with you and I'll never forsake you. And so this is what we need to get tonight, guys, is that in the silence of our lives, when we feel like God has abandoned us, when we feel like he's let go, that he hasn't, that he's still right there with you, Because we've been given Jesus and his name means God is with us. So in the silence, here's what I know. There are things that are happening in the background of your life, just like what was happening in the Christmas story. Things that you and I don't realize. See, our time is so much different than God's. We have to understand that tonight. When we want something to happen, it's usually very different than when he wants to unfold it. But if you will trust him in those times... The story will unfold better than what you can even imagine. He's setting up the stage for his grand entrance. And this grand entrance would change the world forever. So those of you guys that are waiting tonight, the Christmas story is hope for you. Hope for you. You need to cling to this tonight. Those of you guys that are waiting on an answer tonight, that God hasn't abandoned you, that he hasn't let go, And that he is very much for you tonight. And so here's what I really want you guys to get. And this is the bottom line. Just because God is silent doesn't mean he's left you. Doesn't mean he's abandoned you. Don't mistake God's silence for his absence. Because it's not true. Just because he's silent does not mean he is absent. He is very much with you. And he's not gonna abandon you right now if he was willing to give you his son, Jesus. And so I think a big question for us to get and to understand tonight is is what do we do in the silent times? How should we act? How should we live when we're just sitting in this time when it just feels like God is absent and given up? Well, one of my favorite preachers, Andy Stanley, said this, and I just think it's so powerful and it's gonna help a lot of you guys tonight. Here's what he said we should do when God is seemingly silent. What would you do if God was with you? Pretty simple. Think of what you would do if you knew 100% that God hadn't abandoned you and and was with you. What would you do next? What would be your next step if you knew God was on your side and he was fighting for you? How would you move forward next? What would that look like for some of you guys? that are waiting on things today. I think for a lot of you, it's taking that next step and having joy. It's knowing that God's gonna work it down the end and that you can let go of it tonight. And even though he's silent, he hasn't abandoned you, that he hasn't given up on you. I wanna read to you guys a poem that I think is really good and will really help us with where we're going. This is what it says. One night I dreamed I was walking along the beach with the Lord. Many scenes from my life flashed across the sky. In each scene, I noticed footprints in the sand. Sometimes there were two sets of footprints. Other times, there was only one. This bothered me because I noticed that during the low periods of my life, when I was suffering from anguish, sorrow, or defeat, I could see only one set of footprints. So I said to the Lord, you promised me, Lord, that if I followed you, you'd walk with me always. But I have noticed that during the times of trying periods of my life, there has only been one set of footprints in the sand. Why, when I needed you the most, have you not been there for me? The Lord re- replied, the years when you have seen only one set of footprints, my child, is when I carried you, is when I carried you guys. And like I said earlier, the times when God seems absent, the times when God seems silent is usually the times that he's closest to us. The times in the silence, the trying times, if you will just lean into God, are some of the times he feels most real even though he's silent. If you would just be willing to take that step out of faith, guys. And and here's what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, is that he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you. So the Christmas story is hope tonight for those of you guys that are waiting on an answer, been praying for so long and fighting. It may even seem like 400 years of waiting for a lot of you guys in the room tonight. But here's what I promise you. In your life, God's getting ready to go from act one to act two, and he's getting the stage ready. And I, and I don't know what it looks like. I can't tell you exactly how it's gonna unfold or the time or the date, but that's where the faith comes in. And you just gotta trust and believe and find encouragement tonight in the story that you've heard. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for everyone in this room tonight, Lord. And I pray, God, for those kids that are walking through the silence tonight, God. The people that feel like, God, that you've given up, Lord, that you've abandoned, that you don't care about them, God. Maybe there's even some people in the room tonight, God, who've given up, who've, who've walked away because they don't even think you're real because you haven't answered that prayer that they've been praying, God. And I pray, God, that you would meet them in a real way tonight, God. I pray what they hurt tonight would be life to them, Jesus. I pray, God, for people that are going through really hard times tonight, God, so trying, God, that, that they are just depressed because of it, God. People that just feel so beat down, I pray, God, that you would meet them in a supernatural way tonight, God, and that their life would never, ever be the same because of it. Jesus, there is so many needs out here tonight, God, and I know in your timing that you're gonna meet them. But I pray, God, that you would work on us tonight, God, that you would work on our hearts in this prayer time, Lord God, in the worship time, Lord, that you would give us the trust and the faith that we need, God, to hold on during these times, Jesus. Thank you, God, so much for your son and your great love for us and that nothing compares to that in the whole world. We just say that we love you so much, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.